Claire and I, for almost 30 years now, have coached and counseled people, uh, teenagers, young adults, uh, young couples, older couples. The biggest area that we have worked with people on is what? Relationships. What's second to that? Relationships, yeah. Anyway, there, there we have also, uh, yeah, okay, never mind. So, <laughs> relationships. And you know, it, it's a little startling to think about that Jesus gave us in the great commandments what on one hand sounds so easy and yet on the other may be one of the hardest things in the world to do, to love others. You know, you could be tempted when a pastor or a leader says, you know, we're going to be talking about loving others to say to yourselves, oh, my gosh, not this again. I've heard this a thousand times. When are we going to get to the meat of the word? Well, if you turn with me, if you have a Bible to John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus says a very interesting thing about what he considered to be food in his life. John chapter four, verse 34 Jesus has just spent some time interacting with uh, the woman whom we call the Samaritan woman. And um, <clears throat> the disciples had gone to get some burgers at you know, Burger King or McDonald's or wherever they got them from and uh, were brought them back. And Jesus said, no, I'm not hungry. And then he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Meat or food for Jesus was doing God's will. It was taking action to live out what he had studied to learn that he was supposed to do. Our society has a very, very high, perhaps even uh, elevated view of knowledge. But knowledge without action, the Bible says, is dead religion. We need knowledge, but by itself, Paul said, knowledge puffs up. It builds us up in our heads without having action. The point of study, teaching, learning from the Bible is that we would live lives that are pleasing to God. The goal of biblical study, teaching, learning, is not knowledge but action. Knowledge is a part of the journey, but it's not the end of the journey. A few weeks ago, I was uh, in my devotional time, I was in uh, John 15. And if you've still got your Bible open, you can turn open to John 15. Verses 12 through 14. And as I read through uh, this chapter, chapter I've read zillions of times. That's my fancy word. How many is zillion anyway? Is there, a, is there really a number, zillion? It's three more than a million? No, I think, it, no, I think it's more than that. Anyway, it's less than a Google. A gigabyte? No. I, a Pico? More than a Pico. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, and this verse is 12 through 14 just jumped out at me, read it a few dozen times. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you love 
others by laying your life down for them. There's a circle here in what he just said. This is my commandment that you love one another. You are my friend if you love one another. You see that? This essentially is a, 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 the second half of the great commandments in a slightly different form. Jesus is summarizing his instructions to his disciples and he's calling it his commandment that we love one another. And he qualifies how we're to love others by saying, love others as I have loved you. Now, if we were going to be practical here just for a moment, what might you describe as some of the ways that Jesus loved us or does love us? We're a small enough crowd that we get to kind of talk and interact. So how does Jesus show his love to us? How did Jesus show his love to his disciples? You can go either way. Forgiving us. Good guy to fish with. You get lots of fish in your boat. It's cool. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Hangs out. Jesus shows his love by hanging out. Cares. Serving us. Okay. Serving the disciples. Again, we've got kind of the dual thing going on there. Sacrifice. He cooked dinner even. Wow. That's a cool one. He washed their feet. He didn't get married. He was focused in his care. Okay. It's true. Paul actually refers to that, but that's another thing. Okay. So lots of ways that Jesus expressed love and flipping it backwards, then that's what that's what it looks like for us to love one another. And then he clarifies it even greater. He says, Love looks like laying your life down for another person. Now, you know, while stepping in front of a car to push a child out of the way and getting killed in the process is laying your life down for them, you only get to do that once in a lifetime. So I don't think that's probably what Jesus meant here. I think he was using painting a picture of, of course, what he was going to do on the cross in a much greater way. And he's inviting us to that kind of love, the kind of love that denies what's best for me and and lives for the purpose of loving others according to what's best for them. And so that's what we have been talking about for these last weeks as I have introduced a new series called Relational Fitness. My goal in covering this topic is to help us to learn some very real and practical tools for fulfilling Christ's commandment to love others by laying our life down, by considering others more important than ourselves. I began by talking about uh, the issue of emotions, and I said when someone expresses emotion, the only proper initial response is to respond emotionally. Now, that might sound like, you know, great psychology or something, but, friends, that's just what love looks like. Um, you know, Claire and I were in a, a meeting earlier today, and Clara got in touch with some pain 
And there were words of comfort that came to speak life to her and to lay their life down for her. That's just a way to love others. But we need help to know how to do this kind of thing. And so that's what we are learning about. Developing a lifestyle of appropriately responding to the emotions of others is a way of laying our life down for them. When our spouse comes home from work, dejected, beat up, you have the opportunity of loving them like Jesus has loved you. They may not deserve it because maybe they've been grouchy and not nice to you, but haven't there been times that you might have been grouchy to God? They, you know, you may have other things to do than to pause and listen to them share their story of their difficulty during the day. But doesn't God pause and listen to us when we pray? If when we say how tough a day, excuse me, if when they say how tough a day they had, you say, yeah, I had a really bad day too. That is not laying your life down for them. That's making it all about you. So this is a, 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 a legitimate, appropriate way to begin to love others is to be aware of others around us in our circumstances and to respond to them in ways that give them love and comfort. We also talked about what some social scientists call attunement, the process whereby we emotionally connect with another person. And I uh, suggested that essentially emotional attunement is this whole idea of emotional responding to rejoice with those in their joy and to mourn with those in their sadness. Again, this too is an effective tool, a way that we can love others. When somebody, as Melissa's um, tears here, I would imagine brought some level of comfort to you guys, that somebody else is grieving with you in your pain. That's that's what happens when that. And she goes, I don't know where this came from. Well, it came from God, because God is grieving. When we're in pain, the Father is in pain. He is the God of all comfort. And that doesn't look like cheering and shouting and being happy when you're sad. That looks like being sad with you. So that's what we're talking about here in some of these various elements. You know, God demonstrates his love to us by rejoicing with us in our joys and by mourning with us and comforting us in our sadnesses. Zephaniah 3.17, a verse we looked at a few weeks ago. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. There's that powerful God. He will take great delight in you. There's the being happy. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's a God who is committed to rejoicing with you in your joys and being sad with you in your sadnesses. Friends, these lessons on relational fitness, I believe, are at the very, very heart of the Word of God. They are the meat that Jesus spoke of when he said, My food is to do the will of the Father. And so my hope and my prayer is that you will join me in learning Uh, these very practical ways uh, to fulfill Christ's commandment to love others as he's loved us. So before I head into today's stuff, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you um, love us and that you express your rejoicing and your grieving with us, that we're not left alone. 
And Lord, thank you that it is your body, the church, we, one another, that are called to fulfill this great commandment of loving one another and being your arms to hold and your hands to touch and your mouth to speak words of comfort and care and love. But Father, most of us are pretty messed up. We're not doing a very good job of that. Our society is really messed up. And Father, might we be those that bring true love, a love that goes beyond people being grouchy, being unfair, um, being mean, or a love that lays our life down for others as you have demonstrated and done for us. Well, as we uh, go through this material today, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would uh, cause there to be a stirring in our hearts, an aha moment of, wow, I, can, I get it. I, I can do that. Teach us to love, O oh God. You are the greatest lover there is. Teach us how to love like you love. In Jesus' name. A number of weeks ago, I uh, talked further about this uh, emotionality issue. The fact that we have been created in the image of God. God has emotions and we have emotions. Emotions in and of themselves are not right or wrong. They simply are. But we can have positive emotions. We could put up the emotional faces here. We can have positive emotions like grateful or happy or loved. Or we can have negative emotions. Things like anxious embarrassed or rejected. Again, they're not right or wrong. They are. It's what we're experiencing. Now, related to that, however, there can be challenges with negative emotions. Uh, Mariana Danley has been teaching in the last two weeks about how our lives can become full of negative emotions like hurt, anger, guilt, fear, condemnation, stress. And the challenge is, is that when our the emotional cup of our life, our vessel, becomes so full of these negative emotions that there can come or be an outcome of that can be spillage or overflow or some I used to say overspray. Uh, things like impatience, quick temper, loss of romance, addictions, obsessive-compulsive behaviors, abusiveness, insomnia. These things can spray out, spill out on others, especially those that are closest to us. That's who tends to get this most in their face. And the way to deal with these symptoms of a full emotional cup is by experiencing healing, mending, of these negative emotions. And because these negative emotions are primarily gained through relationships, that's the very place that God intends for them to be healed and mended as well. So he hurt is healed through receiving comfort. When we are hurt by someone, what we need is comfort. Someone to come alongside and to comfort us. Anger is healed through forgiving those who have hurt us. 
there's scripture references for each of these here as well as in your notes that you're taking away with you. Guilt is healed through confession. Confession to God, as in 1 John 1, 9, but then also James 5.16 speaks of confessing to one another. Fear is healed through love. 1 John 4.18. Condemnation is also is healed through knowing and believing truth. Romans 8 1. Stress is healed through giving our cares to God. So whatever the negative emotions are that are filling our emotional cup, God has provided the means for healing, for not just covering them over. And that's the the tendency is is that we don't deal with this stuff. It sort of sits there, being a, a. a significant part of our emotional and relational lives that makes it hard and hinders us from being able to even have the healthy relationships that God desires for us. While actually, you know, while taking action to empty our cup through healing, it's vitally important that we recognize that having an empty cup is not the goal. Right? We don't just want to have an empty cup. God desires for us to have our cup filled with positive emotions so that the spillage or the overflow or the spray from our life imparts life to others. Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, Matthew 15:18. When the stuff inside of us is negative, it's negative stuff that comes flying out. When the stuff inside of us is positive, positive stuff comes out. Okay, I have an object lesson. This is usually my wife's trick, but um, I, I came up with this one. Okay, so we have here a cup of dirty water. And um, that is um, pretty yucky stuff there. I, I, I spun my finger around in it. You don't want, you don't want to drink that. But that is that's somewhat sort of a picture, if we could for a moment, of kind of, of a life that's an emotionally full life. And, and notice that when it's that full, even if we pour in, you know, some positive input, it, it doesn't change the scenario very much. And there really isn't space for much more positive. So there's, you know, as we said, a couple of different ways we can imagine getting that stuff out. Now, one of those ways is, you know, just trying to get enough positive stuff in us that that it, um, you know, that the stuff comes out. But, boy, it really takes a lot of positive stuff. I mean, it takes a lot of positive stuff. Uh, in fact, it really takes... A lot of positive stuff. In fact, I don't know that we got enough positive stuff to clean that puppy out. And a lot of negative stuff spraying all over everybody. So, what we really need to do is we need to empty the cup. Now, we can empty it by punching a hole in the bottom. That works fairly well. Pouring it out. But it's only then that we can really see, and it still needs a little bit of cleansing. Let's clean this up a little bit. Eh, it looks a little lot better. 
can't do that on our own. We need one another. We've gotten hurt in relationships. We get healing in relationships. God has called us to one another. Love one another. By this will the world know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. It's a powerful, powerful gift of healing. Okay, this week I was at a a training workshop and the instructor, uh, Dr. David Ferguson of Great Commandment Ministries, shed some light on all of this by describing what he calls our life script. And I want to talk about this a little bit here. Um, As we go through this uh, series you know, whatever kind of element I'm talking about, what I'm, when I'm talking about this emotional cup, when I'm talking about a life script, again, you know, you, we could sort of imagine these things sound, you know, kind of like psychological help, and, and it is. But it's based in and of how can we fulfill Christ's commandment to love others and how can we allow others to love us. When we look at other people, the first thing that we usually observe is what they look like and how they act. You, you meet a stranger, you watch somebody on the street, or doesn't really matter where. We're pretty observant as human beings, and, and we pretty much you know, diagnose you know, what people are like by what they say, how they act, how they're dressed. And most of us make determinations about them based on how we feel about the way they look and the way they act, especially when they express negative behaviors. As an example, when you drive up to an intersection and there's a person standing holding a sign and it says, anything will help, God bless you, what are things that you think about that person? That Just keep your thoughts captive. Don't let me, you know, we don't need to share those, but do we not all make assessments, some people might call it judgments, uh, assessments about people based on what they look like and how they act. We do, right? When a brother and sister, Johnny and Susie, are watching TV in the family room and they start fussing and fighting, what do most parents do? Most parents yell from the other room, Stop fighting! Cut it out! Great relational connectedness, isn't it? When you call a customer service number for your anything, water bill, cell phone, bank, credit card, based on how the person talks to you, their behavior, you make a determination about them. They're nice. They're obnoxious. They ought to be hung by their toenails and have their hair pulled out one hair at a time. Now, I would like to propose that to love people, we're going to have to look deeper than behaviors. That is what we most see, and it is most what we respond to in people's lives. But underneath most negative behaviors... I would advocate there are negative emotions. 
That's the emotional cup. The, the whole anger thing. I don't know how I can't flip-flop back and forth. But we got that picture of the cup. And when we're hurt, most of us, the very first thing we see and we're aware of is anger. That outward behavior. But inside, we're hurt. And what we need is comfort. We don't need to hang the person by their toenails and pull their hair out one hair at a time. Although that might be helpful for some people. And underneath negative emotions is negative or what we might call faulty thinking. And this is where I'm going I'm to spend some time here. I want to talk about Johnny and Susie, the little brother and sister fighting. Susie's watching TV in the family room. Johnny comes downstairs and sits down on the couch next to her. After a while, Johnny picks up the remote and changes channels. Susie reaches for the remote, and Johnny holds it away. Susie then reaches further, leans on top of Johnny. Johnny then shoves Susie off, on, off onto the floor. With a scream and a scowl, Susie grabs the remote from Johnny and hits him on the head with it. And then there's all-out open war. And Mom yells from the kitchen, or Dad from the office, Johnny and Susie, stop fighting! Sound like your house? I want to unpack this. I want you to just walk with me through this journey. Okay, we've got some negative behaviors. Like what? Hitting. Lack of sharing. Selfishness. Good communication skills. Okay, so we got some negative behavior. All right, what might be some of the negative emotions underneath all of that. Let's get the chart back up there. If we could. We'll put our emotional charts. What what emotions might be underneath those behaviors? Angry? Yes, we've got some anger going on. No question about that. Enraged. Johnny was bored. Somebody's disappointed. Somebody's hurt. Frustrated. Jealous. Okay. All right. So, okay, we've got negative behavior, but under that are these negative emotions. But there's something under that. Remember we said that under that is faulty thinking. What are some of the possible negative thinking, faulty thinking, that might be in either one of their minds? I'll give you one as a starter. Susie watches such lame programs. I can't stand it. He never said that to her. He grabbed the remote. But that's his, that's his thinking. It's not the greatest thought in the world. What's, what's some other thoughts? Faulty thinking. I was here first. I deserve. That's a good one. I'm older. It's my turn. How dare Johnny changes what I was watching? I'll show him. <laughs> ha! I'm bigger and stronger than you. You're always pushing me around. I'm going to kill you. But underneath those thoughts are less identifiable thoughts and emotions. How about these as a possibility? Johnny always gets his way. Mom and dad like him better than me. 
If Susie hadn't been born, life would be a lot easier and mom and dad would give me more of their attention. See, underneath even the negative emotions are thoughts and beliefs that we have gained through our lives that are that cause us to be oriented and and so what you see in behaviors is out of these this thought process and we all do it we all live our lives out of these patterns of thinking that are faulty second timothy uh paul makes the statement about the word of God, um, that the word of God is given for the purpose of teaching us what is true and right. And it goes on and on, talks about what it does. You know, we've, we talk a lot about truth in our world today. And truth has become um, sort of whatever. There is no truth anymore. What do we call that these days? Relativism. Thank you. I couldn't come up with the word. It's all relative. Um, It's all about the relatives. That's good. Okay. Now, I would like to advocate that there's something else that has caused or brought about this faulty thinking, and that being unmet needs. Johnny and Susie, as do all of us, have a need for attention. In our day and age with daycare, school, after-school daycare, homework, meetings, soccer, and volleyball games, most kids don't get the volume and the amount of attention that they need from their parents. Johnny and Susie, stop fighting. Johnny and Susie, as do all of us, have a need for respect. Both of them are being disrespectful to one another. Johnny and Susie, as do all of us, both have a need for security. When Johnny grabs the remote and changes the channel from what Susie is watching, her world is less secure. When Susie grabs the remote and clobbers Johnny in the head, his world is less secure. And honestly, when the parent yells from the other room rather than coming in to assist, it leaves both of them in a world that is very insecure. Now, to finish out this diagram, in contrast to this negative script that's on the bottom half of unmet needs that leads to faulty or uh, faulty thinking, that leads to negative emotions, that leads to negative behaviors, when needs are met in our lives, then we will experience positive or what we might say are true thoughts and true thinking, which leads to positive emotions, which leads to positive behaviors. Does that make sense at all? So when we look at the negative behaviors of those around us, and we respond to that negative behavior, we're missing the mark. 
That, that will not get the job done. And that is what our world has taught us to do. Parenting in our world, to a great degree, is, is, is instructed to us to deal with the symptoms, the behaviors. Curtail the behaviors and you'll fix the kids. And it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Because what's happening is we have a world of people growing up with unmet needs. And so we need to recognize this pattern. And if we're truly going to love people in a way that will extend care, they can be our spouse, they can be our child, they can be our parent, they can be a good friend. We're going to need to learn to look beyond the negative behaviors and to get down and begin to identify what are the needs that are in this life and how can I best meet them. So for the next couple of months, I'm going to spend time talking about needs and our relational needs. I did this in 1998, so it's been 10 years since I've covered that material. And uh, I've got about seven of you in the room that were here then. Um, my, five of those being my family members. <laughs> anyway, so that's where we're headed. But I, I believe that there is more to help us from this script, though I'm probably not going to spend much more time with it, at least not at this point. Because we can learn from this about ourselves Yes, the goal is to learn to care for others well, to love others. But what I'd like you to do for homework, and you can look at your notes. Let me borrow this for a second. I've got four questions just kind of at the bottom of that. And I'd like you for homework to possibly spend uh, some time considering for your own life as you view it. Firstly, related to our behaviors, we need to occasionally look at our life and ask the question, what behaviors in my life might need to be changed? Not a bad question to consider. Just to take a little bit of analysis. You could ask you know, a spouse or somebody to give you an idea, but you could probably come up with a couple on your own. And I want you to just think about, okay, what are some of the negative, what's one of the negative behaviors in my life? And then I'd like you to tie that to what are the negative emotions that might need to be healed that are connected to that? I'd like you to do some self-analysis because if you can do it on, your, on yourself first, if you can get that aware, you're going to be better off being able to help and care for others. But I think there's some analysis that we can do for ourselves. And I'm sorry this thing has slid down. Joy and I looked at it and kind of went, hmm, I think we need to do something about that. We don't have charge of the projector, but we probably can get that done. But anyway, so we're missing the bottom six inches. Anyway, you've got the questions there. So what are some behaviors that might need to be changed? What emotions might need to be healed that are part of that? And then, of course, would be the third one, what lies need to be overcome with truth what are some of the lies what is what's some of the faulty thinking that maybe you have picked up through your life that have led to these kinds of emotions i am just uh so connected to this process right now and i'm gonna be i don't have a watch anybody tell me what time it is i blew it 
521. Okay, I'm going to tell you a personal story. Um, our, our church went has gone through uh, a season of challenges and difficulties, especially a few years ago. And as a part of that process, um, I came to a point where I made a determination, I made a, a, a decision in my mind that that I was an insufficient, uh, inadequate pastor and that I ought to not be a pastor. About two and a half years ago. And went through some ministry and, and uh, have walked through that with some uh, uh, coaches in my life, some pastors as well as some counselors, my family loving me. And I, I have laid... Uh, that faulty thinking aside, I was I was taking full responsibility for everybody's decision in in the church. Now, were, are there and were there things that any person needs to learn or to change or to grow up in? Are there any behaviors that might need to be changed in me as a pastor? Yes. Are there emotions that might need to be healed? Yes. Now, a second one that I became aware of during that period of time, and I'm just going to be, again, real transparent with you. You, you, That's what I tend to do. One of the things that Claire and I began to interact with, uh, and I'll try and be careful here with her, but we... There, there was. I, I wasn't doing extremely well, and there were uh, some occasional times when I was hurting her. Can you imagine that? I mean, just you know, once or twice. And, and she asked me the question on two occasions. Gee, I wonder if you're hurting others in the church, like you've hurt me. Great question. You know, just good thing to think about. Where did I go? I went with that and I made a decision that it is inappropriate. It is unacceptable for me as a pastor to hurt people. So therefore, I'm hurting people. I need to not be a pastor. That was a part of the same process in the same time period. That's what I'm talking about with faulty thinking. That is not a true thought. I am not responsible for everybody's stuff. Am I responsible for loving people? Asking forgiveness when I hurt them? Am I responsible to extend care and coaching as I understand and have the wisdom from God? But I am not responsible for an occasional time when people get hurt. We had a circumstance where a person wanted something to happen in our service, something like what happened for Cindy today. But they required it to be happen on a particular Sunday. And I said, I'm not, we've got, I'm not able to do that. We can do that next week. No, that won't work for me. Okay? You sure you can't orient? I mean, I, we'd be happy to do that next week. No, that won't work for us. Okay, I'm sorry we can't do that. They left hurt. I was responsible for their hurt because I hadn't fulfilled their request. But as I thought about that in the midst of that season of trying to understand, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, that, wasn't, that wasn't me. I did, I did, they got hurt, and I even apologized. I said, I am really sad 
for the hurt and the pain. I didn't see, I didn't hear about that at that moment. We didn't have, it wasn't that clear of a conversation initially. Didn't come till later. And um, I don't know, that person's not with us. They're gone. So I don't, I don't know where, where their status is at this point. But I, I did genuinely apologize that we were unable to meet that, that need for them that they desired attempt to do. But that was, as far as I know, wasn't sufficient. But I just share those as a personal something I'm aware of because we all have faulty thinking. We have it related to our, in our family situations, with our spouses, with our parents. And the question is, as underneath that, is what needs in my life perhaps need better to be met? Martha, can we have the last down arrow? Ding. Thank you very much. Thank you. What relational needs could be better, better met in my life? I'd like you to do this as homework. I think that there are probably in your lives some behaviors, some emotions, some lies, and some relational needs that to become aware of and be thoughtful of might help you to allow others to love you better as well as to get healed and to see your cup emptied out of some of the stuff that's in your life. Let's pray. Father, we um, come before you as your kids. Welcoming your Holy Spirit to heal and mend us. Father, some of the healing can only come as we become aware of some of the faulty thinking. To even recognize where needs were unmet and to forgive. And to become aware in our lives of how perhaps we're missing the same mark in the lives of those around us that we love. You have given us a great commandment that we would love others as you have loved us. And that's a fairly hard thing to do. We aren't tooled very well, but I thank you that your word does tool us. It equips us. It helps us. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would infuse us with the life and love of God. Lord, on our own, we cannot do this, but we have been filled with your Holy Spirit and as a result have the ability to express the very love of God to others. But sometimes our pipes are clogged. Sometimes there's stuff that needs to get flushed. And I welcome you, Lord, to do that for us. Lord, we are a a healing church. We are a church that is committed to mending, to seeing broken people restored, broken marriages and relationships restored and healed, broken lives healed. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We are taught so much in our society to shove, to stuff, but we welcome you to enable us to grieve, to welcome your comfort and your love to welcome forgiveness 
Boy, you talk a lot about forgiveness in your word, Lord. Forgive as we have been forgiven. What healing that would bring. What healing it brings as we're able to. Father, we welcome you to be a healing God in our midst. And that we would become a people, families, friends, who would be known by our love. Lord, the world is hungry for genuine love. They have so many pseudo pictures of it. And many of us have experienced so many misses. Lord, you have never missed. And we welcome your love into our midst. In Jesus' name. Here at the end of our service, we provide an opportunity for uh, those of you who would like to receive prayer. Uh, it's possible that during a talk like that, that things can sort of pop up, surface. Um, we would say that's the Holy Spirit, and it is his desire uh, to minister comfort, love, care to you. Um, you might be facing a real challenging uh, situation in your life, decision, a relational challenge. Uh, circumstance, healing, a physical issue. And uh, if I could have some of our folks just kind of stand at this time and come up to the front, then uh, any of you that would uh, like to talk with someone, to uh, pray with someone, there will be folks here that can do that for you. Thanks for being with us today, and we welcome uh, you to return and to learn more about how we can love one another better. Thanks for coming.